You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown the hell is frozen over. of the 2022 season. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold, a Week 5 winning edition. So happy to be reporting on the three-game losing skid snapped. I'm Steve Geller, along with my buddy Jeff Nowak, who is still sitting in the Superdome. Yes, yes, I am sitting in this very, very gigantic and quiet building. They were bumping some Britney Spears in NSYNC. Uh, for about an hour after the game, that was kind of right a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I was bopping to it. I was having a good time. They played, hit me one more time, and I was like, "Yeah, that's it." Um, but you're listening to Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. No, I mean, this was a wild game. Uh, like, there's so much to talk about from this game. We're gonna get into a lot of. It. We're gonna get into Taysom Hill. We're gonna get into Alvin Kamara. We might have had the quietest 200-yard rushing or not 200-yard performance of all time. I mean, I looked down. I like I was like, oh, he's had he has, must have a lot of yards today. And I looked at the box score and I was like, oh, he has 184 uh, total yards. And then he ran for another 10 yards and it was 194. Like, what? <laughs> when did that happen? Um, but there was so many yards in this game. There was just so much yardage, so many possessions, so many just bad plays by both teams. Right? The Saints. While they played slightly better, slightly cleaner, I still think they played very, very, very uh, haphazardly. Like it was not disciplined, but the Seahawks actually managed to be worse in that regard. And that's why they lost today and the Saints won. It was like, it's for the second time this season, it was like a competition to see who wanted to lose the most. And the, and the Seahawks won. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. But, you know, first, we, we got to talk about Taysom Hill, right? Like, felt like Taysom Hill was, was, going to win this game single-handedly. It was just a matter of whether the defense let him or not. Like, that's how it felt. Yeah, he definitely, you want to say, put the team on his back today, whatever the case. But 
you know, just getting it done on the ground. Uh, finally, we got to see him throw a pass. We were just complaining about, you know, the fact that they've been setting up. I wasn't complaining. Uh, I, I was definitely. I was like, we need to see you throw a pass already. And what do you know? It was a touchdown. Uh, tight end to tight end. And uh, we saw Taysom Hill throwing to Adam Troutman. But, yeah, just a really dominant performance. I expected that on the ground, honestly, from Alvin Kamara, who still had a great day, minus, so you know, another turnover for this team gets added on to their, you know, season total. But overall, just that kind of wild performance you needed from somebody on this squad to take control and really uh, run away with a victory. Yeah, you want to talk about efficiency. Here's Taysom Hill's numbers. Nine carries, 112 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns. One pass for 22 yards and another touchdown. When you can when you can have 10 touches for 134 yards and four touchdowns, you're having a pretty solid day. And that's you know, that's that's just like oh, the luxury and, of Taysom Hill, right? And when Hardy went down, he had to do kick returns. Yeah, and he recovered. Well, okay, so this was some a point of confusion during the game, and I think they have cleared it up, which that was not a fumble by the punter. And they called it right on the field, and then they adjusted it and said that the punter for the Seahawks, when he did that weird rugby style of rollout. It was so and, awkward. Yeah, it was just weird. And I think like he just got nervous and didn't know what to do. But he went down with the ball. Like he got tackled with the ball. And but it was a turnover on downs, regardless. So like Taysom Hill didn't actually get a fumble recovery. And it's only it's only a factor because like we're gonna talk about all the things he did today. <laughs> and he didn't actually recover a fumble or he didn't cover a Seahawks fumble, but he did recover his own fumble. So technically Still has a fumble recovery. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, pretty much the only thing he didn't do today was catch a pass, <laughs> which when we went into the season, everyone was like, T1, T1, Taze was going to be the top tight end on the Saints. He, he doesn't catch passes. He runs. He's the running quarterback, and I love it. That's unstoppable. You know, QB power is coming, like we've talked about too, and they just they can't stop it. Yeah. And when I told people to draft Taysom Hill in fantasy, it was not based on his pass catching. It was <laughs> going to be based on his ability to vulture touchdowns. And that's exactly what he did today. And it's what he's done all season. He has six touchdowns. We talked before the season and I said, it is not impossible for Taysom Hill to have double digit touchdowns this season. And I think when I said that, people looked at me like I had three heads. But like, this is the type of game that I was thinking about when I said that. Like, he racks them up. He could have double-digit touchdowns on bye week. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's Definitely insane. Not a bye week, able sure. to, at this rate, he'll have double-digit touchdowns by week seven. <laughs> Let's keep the, the Taysom train going for sure, because whatever it was, this offense def definitely needed that shot in the arm. And there's a lot of talk now, maybe – this squad's finally finding their identity. And Adam Troutman even mentioned in the locker room after the game, he's like, the identity of this offense is running the football. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's happened the last two games, really. Uh, and we've been we've been clicking. I mean, first drive of the first three games were all pretty solid. I know the third one, we ended in a turnover. But, um, yeah, we're finding our identity. And, uh, I mean, it's to run the ball right now. Uh, and then opens up play action. I know that's a super efficient uh, pass for us. So, um, yeah, we're performing our identity for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's – you had three about 300 yards of rushing today, all said. Let's see. I'll 48 do carries. I had to rub my eyes on that one. I was like, wait a minute. The Saints ran the ball 48 times? 115. Mark Ingram had 16 yards on nine carries. Andy Dalton had four yards on seven carries. So, all said, 235 rushing yards.
Uh, you know, and this is a team that wasn't able to run the ball earlier in the season and you didn't have Alvin Kamara. And while Alvin, you know, the fumble was frustrating and it came at a very inopportune time. And it was just another example of every time something is going well, something bad happens. And then you double down. Right. 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 And not only does Alvin fumble and cost you a, a, a sure chance at a field goal, you allow a touchdown, not just a field goal, a touchdown. On, on the comeback drive by the Seahawks. And, you know, part of that is you don't have Marcus May. You have Justin Evans and Pete JP, JT Gray playing these way bigger roles than you expected them to. And they got burned twice by Tyler Lockett over the top. Great throws by Geno Smith. But, like, this, you see this week after week after week, and it's not gone, right? There were, there were several moments where you were like, okay, bad penalty. You get burned on the defensive end. Yeah. Right? There was that Marshawn Lattimore uh, – defensive pass interference and immediately you have the Tyler Lockett touchdown, right? That this happened several times that uh, Jawan Johnson false start, which I disagree with, you know, was immediately followed by that, that 66 yard, Ken, I'm sorry, 69 yard Kenneth Walker uh, touchdown run, which should never happen. It yeah. should never happen. And so like, you know, the saints played well today. I think on the offensive side of the ball, they did not play well in coverage at all outside of Marshawn Lattimore who did go down with an injury late in the game. But I think he locked down DK Metcalf about as well as you can. And uh, it's just always fun to watch him in those matches, but you know, I want to be encouraged. And, you know, I think the ability to just, whenever you're in third and short to have the, you know, it's a free money. I mean, how, how confident must you be in third and two, third and one to just send Lewis kid and Landon young out there as, pass eligible lineman you had two pass eligible linemen so it's like a mega jumbo and it's like you, you said this last week it's like oh they know you're gonna run it's like great stop it and yeah. they have it and i actually asked Taysom about that and uh this is what this is what he you know obviously you did for that pass today but you know when you run lewis and landon out there mega jumbo you know it's pretty clear what you're trying to do and what is it how much confidence do they give you as an offense when you can kind of project it's like we're going at you and you can still yeah, a lot of confidence. You know, we kind of we talk about it. We carry plays like that every week, and um, you know, we, we say, "Man, we're gonna we're gonna stay the course until somebody shows us that, that we can stop it." And um, you know, again, those guys come in and, and they've done such a great job up front to, to spring me for a lot of a lot of runs, a lot of touchdowns, and um, it, it's obviously challenging to stop with with some of this QB run stuff. Yeah, and I mean, he said it right there. It's like, until you prove you can stop it, we're going to keep doing it. And they just kept doing it. They were 8 for 14 on third down today. The Seahawks were 1 for 9. That is the difference in this game. That is why the Saints won and the Seahawks lost. Because every time the Saints were able to get in manageable down and distance on third down, which they did a very good job today. That was, if you want to look at one thing where the Saints won this game, it was third down, third down efficiency. And it was staying ahead of the chains. A most a majority of those third downs were third and five or shorter. I think two of their failures on third down were third and five. So even those are reasonable, right? You weren't looking at third and 18, third and 25, third and seven, even, you know, that, and that, that is a big difference when you're talking about, you know, the Seahawks were only able to extend one drive that they saw a third down in. Think about that in a game where they scored 32 points. 
you know, they didn't have extended drives. You know, and I think that's part of the reason the Saints were able to assert themselves later in the game, right? Alvin Kamara is able to run the ball suddenly, you know, because they left their defense on the field the whole game. It's what the Saints have been doing to their defense all day. And in this game, you know, they were the ones that were able to close it out on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, there was so many positive things to take away from the running game. Not as many in the passing game, but Andy Dalton did his job. He did it as well as you could have hoped. He had that one rough interception that, you know, the defense made sure didn't hurt. But, you know, when when it's rolling that well on the running game, you know, you can live with some so-so passing when you're talking about a team that did not have Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Deontay Hardy went out, uh, Chris Olave caught a touchdown, and then he went out with a concussion. You needed to win this game, and you did. <laughs> that's That's all I can say. Yeah, and obviously you, you talked about Olave there going down with the concussion. Just a huge concern now for this wide receiving group. Obviously, Jarvis Landry couldn't go today still with that ankle issue. So your your top three guys are all banged up in some shape or form right now and are a, a question heading into next week. You would hope that you know Landry seemed like he was close going into this game, so Hopefully, um, some more added rest for him. He'll be he'll be able to come back with the Olave. You got to hope the concussion is nothing serious. Maybe is able to clear protocol and get back onto the field. I know uh, leaving the game seemed very in high spirits, if you would say, still high fiving a fan on the way out. I know Dennis Allen mentioned it as well that he seemed uh, in good spirits in the locker room, very happy the team got the win. And then the other guy, Michael Thomas, man, I, I don't know what to make of. His latest with the toe injury, you know, you hear that he might be able to return soon. And obviously, the the healthier this team can be, we see what they're able to do as a banged-up squad in these games. A fully healthy Saints team, especially on this offense, is just so lethal and dangerous. I think, uh, obviously, looking forward to seeing that on the field, including the return of Jameis Winston as all as well, just because... While Andy Dalton, I feel, did a decent job managing this game, uh, Jameis Winston does bring that bigger arm, bigger threat to your team. But obviously, you can also have that bigger chance, I guess you would say, of turn o- turning the ball over because he's more of a uh, a riskier passer, if you would say. I suppose. I, I don't know. I, I do. Th- well, so before the game, Adam Schefter tweeted that Mike Thomas is – you know, they're hopeful that he can be out there next week. So, you know, that's a positive. You were facing the Bengals. You were going to have to keep pace. Yeah. Um, you don't know where Jameis is in his in his rehab process. But, you know, it, it is strange. He was able to play two weeks, and then suddenly, you know, you're not able to get him out there. And I'm not sure what to make of that. Offense has looked solid. I think it's improving. But I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. You do, You will need to be better passing the ball to get where you need to go. You know, whether that's Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, I don't know. This is a positive thing that you're able to get on off the losing skid one way or another. Amen. Um, as you look at next week and you figure it out, if Jameis is healthy, I think he's going to be the guy. But the question is, what level of health does Jameis need to be at before you feel comfortable putting him out there? Because based on what we've seen, I am not comfortable putting him out there at 60%, 70%. You know, he would have to be very close to 100% to go out there, in my opinion, knowing that you feel comfortable putting Andy out there, right? Like, it's not a concern to put Andy Dalton in these games. It is a concern to send a guy out there with a broken back. <laughs> and uh, the the thing with Chris Olave, you know, 
if this had come in week one before, you know, this national reckoning on, on head injuries again, right. That, right. And they kind of have revamped their concussion protocols. If you watch that replay, Chris Olave was unconscious. Like you can see that he went out after he caught that ball, like the way he got tackled, he vicious slam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just that he went down on his head. It went down like straight on his head, like straight down. It was like a jackhammer. And you could just see like, like lights out. Um, And he laid there for a while. I was worried. It was weird because no one was really reacting uh, (laughs) immediately. It was like, almost like, cause at first I thought maybe he went down and was just like mad that he dropped the ball. Cause he did, cause the ball did squirt out. And I thought maybe he was just laying there like angry at himself, but then he never didn't get up. And, you know, eventually he did kind of get up on his own. But, you know, in in those instances, usually, I think because it's not in the end zone, it's like in the middle of the field, you know, there would have been like a much heftier reaction. Everyone would be running out there. Everyone was kind of looking and walking around. And then he was able to get off the field on his own power, right? He wasn't stretchered off, which is a good thing. Um, But when he did get up, too, he wasn't seeing like the legs were wobbly, you know, he was he didn't yeah. seem shaky walking off at all. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think this league right now, they oh, have yeah. a they have a black eye. And anytime the league gets a black eye on something, they're gonna overreact. They're gonna overcorrect. And I think it's gonna be real hard for him to clear the protocol with what you saw. But but who knows? You know, I don't know what his history with head injuries is. You know, the first time you get a concussion, it's usually easier to get over it and it gets worse and worse. So you know, we'll see, but it was a nice thing that they at least gave him the touchdown because that should have been a touchdown and they, they ruled it a touchdown, but it reminded me, if you remember that Saints Bears game in the Superdome, Zach Miller, I think it was 2016, maybe 2017, Zach Miller, the tight end caught a ball in the end zone and like his knee like snapped. Like he had to go to the hospital. Like he almost lost his leg. And it's like, it was like tragic because it was like a career ending injury and they called it a touchdown and then they took it away on review. And I was like, this guy just died. Can you just give him the touchdown? Like, <laughs> right. oh he, man. He just shredded his knee. And the worst part, and, and it was the same thing for this one was like, because it was under review, they had to keep showing this replay in the stadium. And like, this one wasn't as bad, obviously, but I remember that one vividly. And it was like, guys, can't cut this, cut this. Only the refs need to see this 20 times. You don't need to keep replaying this gruesome injury. And in this case, it was, you know, you could just see him kind of go, go lights out. But, you know, you hope for him, for his sake, that it's a, it looked a lot worse than it was because this is a kid who is the odds on favor to be rookie of the year, right? The only thing that will slow him down at this point, it seems like is a significant injury that forces him to miss time. So hopefully, hopefully that's not what we have. And hopefully the Saints can build on this win because I think at a certain level, losing is contagious and losing is habitual. For sure. And once you get comfortable losing, once you get used to losing, it becomes a lot easier to lose and lose and lose and lose. Right. One of the things that's made this team great is they don't fall into these long-term losing skids. Like they lose a game, they find a way to bounce back. They lose two games, they find a way to fix their issues and bounce back. Hopefully that's what this team is able to do this year. Yeah, and like you mentioned, got to get now onto this winning streak. You have a tough matchup, obviously, next week coming up with Joe Burrow and the Bengals coming into town. And that offense, you know, is has the ability to put up points and fast with the amount of uh, talent they have on that side of the ball. And 
the big concern for me is obviously Olave's injury, but uh, also with Marshawn Lattimore. All right, let's cut it off there. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. Stick around. We're going to get into more of what happened with Marshawn Lattimore with that injury late in the game. You know, what Steve saw down on the sideline. And we're going to get into more of, you know, what we saw from Alvin Kamara today because I think that that his performance was huge, uh, even if he didn't get to the end zone. So stick around. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. We're going to get into a mailbag at the tail end of this segment and the final segment. So make sure you get your questions, comments, whatever in the chat, and we'll get to them. Uh, but first, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, what, there was a few injuries in this game that you're going to have to watch throughout the week and could be huge going forward just because of the impact these players have had. One we got into with Chris Olave, right? You know, Deontay Hardy got hurt. He hasn't really had an impact to this point. So, you know, it's not, I mean, I thought Marquez Galloway actually had more juice in the reset return game than Hardy has shown the last few weeks. So, you know, I'm not overly concerned with if you have to be without him, but Marshawn Lattimore went down late in this game. It didn't hurt the Saints in this game, but man, that would be a huge blow if, if he misses time. What did you see from him there with that abdomen injury? Yeah, when he came to the sideline, you could definitely see the visible pain he was in seemed to be grabbing his stomach and I wasn't sure at first if he was just like cradling his arm maybe if it was you know that that core stomach uh area but when he came over to the bench didn't even make it to the bench just collapsed onto the turf area and you could just tell he was writhing uh the look in his eye and everything the guy was just in a ton of pain and was fighting off the trainers, didn't want to go into the injury tent. Finally, they did, you know, persuade him in and said, you got to, you know, you got to get in there to get, you know, looked at. And afterwards, uh, after an extended stay in the tent, finally got out, um, made his way to the locker room. And then, yeah, we got word about it was confirmed indeed a abdomen injury. And obviously a huge concern for this team just because that's your number one corner He's going to be shadowing the top guys on the opposing team. And there's a tough matchup coming up in the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's someone that you definitely don't want to be without. But it, at this point, obviously, not looking good just because of the pain you saw I, that I saw him in, at least, uh, from the injury. But hopefully it's something that it's not as serious as it looks. So I didn't catch the injury live. You know, it was late in the game. I was I was trying to write. And so I just kind of like, you know, saw that he was out of the game and, you know, but what, what, when did the injury occur? Like, did it happen during a play? Uh, the touchdown, who's the touchdown to, uh, Lock he it? went down and went down in the end zone and stayed down for a little bit, but got up and like, he was just, you could tell in pain kind of hunched over and getting as fast as he could to the sideline and just didn't even make it to the bench. Like I said, just collapsed on the ground there. And it was it was definitely rough to yeah, see and concerning. Like yeah, so the last touchdown was the Kenneth Murray run. Um, cool. The the long touchdown to lock it was before that. Because the Saints went ahead 31-19. And then the Seahawks came back and led 32-31. 
And that's why, you know, at that point, that's why, you know, the Taysom Hill didn't just have a, a huge game. That was um, like the Saints were in danger of blowing this game until you got to third and short and he just broke that and you could see it coming from a mile away. The second he got through the line, he started high stepping. But yeah, I mean, the injuries kit could cast a pall over this, you know, and so hopefully, hopefully it was just a cramp. You know, hopefully it wasn't anything significant. Um, you know, he and he and DK Metcalf were going hard all game. You know, they were just <laughs> it's just one another one of these knockdown drag out uh matchups that Marshawn finds himself in and honestly Marshawn thrives in. It's exactly what happened last year in the sense that, you know, last year was the second drive DK Metcalf had, I want to say it was an 84 yard touchdown catch where Marshawn kind of stumbled. Today on the opening drive, it was Paulson Adebo kind of in primary coverage. They ran a pick play. Paulson got lost in traffic and then DK went for a 50 yard touchdown. But I mean, you know, the rest of the game, he finished with five catches for 88 yards. So after that play, he had four catches for 33 yards and a fumble. He got shut down. Um, and that's what Marshawn gives you. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully this is a situation where, you know, we're not talking about this at this time next week. Um, but yeah, when you see a guy go down like that, it's always concerning. Yeah. And for, like I said, for him, you know, another tough guy on this team just to be writhing so much and just visibly in so much discomfort and just a weird injury to, you know, an abdomen issue. I would like to see the replay on it. I haven't really looked that over, but we'll definitely check out what exactly happened to him on that lock at touchdown. Yeah. I think the coverage, the, the coverage struggled on the back end because you were trying to press a lot. You were trying to, especially so on that touchdown before the half, the Saints are impressed coverage because they're expecting the Seahawks to try to get three, four yards. Like I had a few people come and say like, well, why were the Saints in man? Why were they, why weren't they, you know, playing a picket fence? It was because you were trying to keep them off the board. They were at about the 50 yard line. You're like, okay, you know, if we can stop them from getting five, 10 yards, we can keep them off the board. Instead, the Seahawks smartly go for it all. Geno Smith has a really good deep ball. I did not know that about Geno Smith until today. <laughs> he has a really pretty deep ball and he, and they took advantage of it. Tyler Lockett, you know, if I had to comp, Chris Olave to anybody, it might be Tyler Lockett. They're very similar players. I think Chris Olave has more intermediate skills, but like Tyler Lockett has great ball skills downfield, right? He's a guy who you want to target deep. He's a guy who you probably wouldn't mind pairing Jameis Winston with if you ended up going that route. But um, you ended up with J JT Gray playing deep safety, Paulson Adebo, who I think struggled today. Yes. Um, he he's a guy who I think we're kind of learning about as we go. He wants to be physical when he doesn't kind of get that initial jam. He doesn't have top end speed, right? So when he gets when he gets in trail, he has a hard time making up the the space, and that's what happened on both those plays, right? He got beat over the top, and you don't have a true center fielder anymore with Marcus Williams out of town. Even if Marcus May was there, he's not a real center fielder, and so that's what happened on that first one. And I think it's similar to what happened on that second one. You know, you're playing over the top and Tyler Lockett is just beating you downfield. And you got to be better than that. But so, you know, I think if you were forced to put a Debo in these top end matchups, you could struggle and you would then that would kind of move everything down the line. You would end with Roby on the opposite side. And, um, you know, I think Paulson Debo is a, is a very good cornerback. I don't think he's ready to be on an island uh, against the Jamar Chases of the world and against the DK Metcalfs of the world. So, yeah, I mean, 
the offense looked good today. They were able to put up points. You know, if if you're not if you're suddenly without your star cornerback, you might have to put up points. And against a team like the Bengals, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and we get to see uh, some Sunday night football. Them taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so early scouting report on the uh, the Bungles. Hopefully the uh, we see we see them the Bungles. Yeah, hopefully we see them in less than prime form, less than Super Bowl form when they do come to the Superdome. I thought this game would definitely be a prime time matchup considering, you know, Joe Burrow coming back to Louisiana as well. Yeah, they didn't put any Saints games in prime time. They don't even have a Sunday night football game this year. They have two Monday night football games. Oh, yeah, and the Thursday night. But, yeah, no Sunday night. Yeah. But they had a Sunday morning. Does that count? I guess so, right? That's their rationale. They also play on New Year's Day, so that's kind of of part Jerry... Pore here says, which I think is correct. I'd rather an ugly win than a pretty loss. Sure. And by all means, right. I like, I love getting Taysom in the game and just junking it up. You know, it's not pretty, it's ugly, but that's what makes it fun. Right. And that's what you had today. But well, what made it ugly too was just the all oh, the defense letting Seattle have so many easy touchdowns or long plays that they gave up that. You know, it was like three, four play drives and boom, Seattle's in the end zone. Just when you seem to be building some momentum, there was always something that kind of retracted from the positive on the on the offensive side. I think the Seahawks scored on four or fewer plays like five times. <laughs> like they didn't have extended drives. That first right, drive right. was probably their longest one and they had a 50 yard touchdown. Like their scores were from down the field. And if you have to allow a score, I prefer it happens that way. Right. Like <laughs> the worst case scenario is a team goes down and runs a 10 play drive and then punches it into the end zone, because not only are you, you know, tiring out your defense, you are not preventing points. And then, you know, you're taking time off the clock away from your offense, at least if like that was the thing you could say is like, OK, the Saints gave the ball back to the to the Seahawks and then they immediately allow a 69 yard touchdown at least that puts the Seahawks defense back on the field and, you know, gives the saints plenty of time to operate. That was the only positive you could pull out of what happened with that Kenneth Walker touchdown. The lights just went up. They're telling you something. Now it's real dark, but yeah, I, I think the big play, the number of big scoring plays the saints have allowed this year is concerning. You don't want to be the team that, you know, can't lock down in key moments because the opposing team can always go over the top, right? Or can always yeah. hit big. You know, you have LaVisca Chenault in week two, right? Oh, in I week four, so in week four, it was that Justin Jefferson bomb when you just needed to just to clamp and get the ball back to your offense in a tie game. The, today, you know, you went up 31-19 and bang, 40-yard touchdown to Tyler Lockett. Bang, 69-yard rushing touchdown to Kenneth Walker. Like, that can't be the identity of your defense. You know, and this is a team that has struggled in so many aspects of just being a, a consistent team. I thought they cleaned up the penalties um, today. And I think that if you wanted to pull a silver lining out of, you know, allowing 32 points and having to really push yourself to come out with this game, it was, you know, there was a lot fewer dumb penalties, right? There were some penalties. Penalties will happen. But there weren't any that you're just like, you know, hitting yourself over the head for. You know, there weren't a ton of boneheaded holding calls. There weren't a ton of, you know, silly defensive holding penalties. Um, there was one against Paulson Adebo 
away from the play that was probably a boneheaded play. And he had a rough first first quarter. He had a rough game. But I think that they did a good job of cleaning that up. They had the two turnovers. You know, there's there's the Alvin Kamara turnover is inexcusable. The Andy Dalton interception. I uh, I think I put that slightly on Traquan. I don't think he fought back to the ball enough. You know, like you're gonna throw interceptions when you throw into coverage, and in that situation, you're throwing it and you're hoping that Traquan can can work back to the ball. And it's either an inter- it's either and it's incomplete or a catch. And if he can't get to it, he has to play defense. He did none of those things. He kind of just allowed himself to be covered. And then the guy worked over the top of him. I think it was Tariq Woolen and got that interception. Um, you know, it's it's tough to hate the throw. Like, if you want to blame Andy Dalton, you blame him for trusting Trey Quan in that moment. Because Trey, he had a rough day. He had, I think he missed two pretty easy third down conversions. They kind of just bounced off his hands. But he did have a good, a big catch on that final drive as they were trying to, you know, ice the game. So, you know, you don't really have options at wide receiver right now, but you have to start wondering if Traquan's job is, is, uh, is getting close because you, you've called up Keith Kirkwood today. They do very similar things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And when you really hear about anything positive about Traquan, it's not for his receiving ability. It's for his run blocking ability and obviously not exactly what you want from a wide receiver uh go, going back to those deep play issues you know the the big chunk plays i wonder how much of it could be still communication issues in the secondary because that was something i was worried about going into the year when you lost a guy like malcolm jenkins to retirement uh it seemed like when he did come and join this new orleans rejoin i'll say the new orleans squad because he went to philadelphia after being drafted by the Saints. But when he came back, really seemed to solidify things on that back end, and you didn't have those busted coverages or huge chunk plays anymore. And I just wonder if it's still a case where, you know, Tyron Matthew is still gaining that trust of everybody and being able to communicate things properly to the secondary. Yeah, and I mean, you haven't had Marcus May for a majority of this, right? So yeah. You know, when if you go back to 2020, when they were trying to incorporate Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins as a as a tandem, you saw similar stuff in the first five, six games of that season, right? If you go back to that Chargers game, I think it was week five, it was Monday Night Football. You know, they're getting beat over the top by Mike Williams, right? You know, th- this was something that happened. I think it was the Panthers and maybe it was week five, week six. Teddy Bridgewater comes in and, you know, it's, I think it was DJ Moore running alone down the middle of the field. You know, so these types of breakdowns happen when you're dealing with a new back end. They've also been playing very aggressively. You haven't seen as much kind of a shell defense with just a deep safety, you know, two deep safeties. You haven't seen that much. You're trying to put pressure on the quarterback. And I think it's it's part of the reason you're giving up big plays. I would have liked to see them kind of concede three points at the end of the first half. Like if I was if I was being critical of, of the play calling there, that's what I would say, because, you know, you can't allow seven to try to prevent three. And that's what they did. I think that they they probably just didn't expect the Seahawks to be that aggressive. But, you know, when you when you have a track record of getting burned over the top, teams are going to get aggressive. So you have to, your play calling has to match that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there's stuff to work on. Yeah, clearly this is far from a perfect game, an outing. But, you know, we like you said, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss any day. Uh, I'll take that. JJP Jr. for sure. Now we just need 
to do some stringing together of these victories uh, to get back into the, the mix of things and yeah, get a win next week. And suddenly three and three uh, isn't looking so bad in the NFC. I, I, I was so surprised that when I got home, I realized the New York giants beat the green Bay Packers. Sure did. Daniel as Jones as they were Daniel Jones with that stellar two for four start. Got it all <laughs> turned around. They started David Sills at wide receiver today. That's, that's you know, and that's like I use this is what I said in the pregame show. It's like injuries are an excuse. You got to go find ways to win. Right, so everyone got that today. And it's like if you if you want to look at a team that can have injury excuses, it's the four and one New York Giants. Go look at the players they're missing, not the players they're playing, the players they're missing. And you know the Saints, the Saints situation feels a lot different. But you know the Saints, they did what they had to do today, and and that's what they're gonna have to do going forward. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. We're going to come back and hit a bunch of these mailbag questions. They've been rolling in. We've got a lot of a lot of good topics. We're going to hit that and then get out of your hair. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Welcome back into Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak going to be diving into some of your questions now in our final segment. A week five victory, bringing the Saints now to two and three on the season. Snapping that three-game losing skid was oh so necessary. And I'm seeing Gary Scott here saying the offense looked better, but considering this Seattle defense gave up 40 to a one and four Detroit team last week, I'll reserve my excitement. and. I totally get that, Gary. We we knew that this Seattle defense was nothing special, um, but there were obviously plenty of positives to take away from this offense, namely Taysom, the man Hill, in this matchup. And uh, like you said in the earlier, Jeff, a really quiet, great day from from Alvin Kamara, minus the fumble, of course, but it was good to see him back in the flow uh, after he was dealing with that rib injury. I think, you know, unimpressive might be an understatement when you talk about the Seahawks defense. They they are the worst defense in the NFL, statistically speaking. It's not even close. And and they didn't let up 40 points to the Lions. Let up 45. You know how many points the Lions scored today? How many? Zero. Ouch, they got shut out. The Lions scored so many points last week that if you average their week four and week five score, they have 22 and a half points per game. That's pretty good, right? They got shut out today. Um, but no, yeah, that, that <laughs> that's not a good sign. If you're the Seahawks, you're two and three, but you you are playing like 0 and 5. Uh, and you know, this I thought the I was very surprised by the Seahawks offense. Like, that is a good offense. I was not expecting that. I was expecting it to be like, oh yeah, they scored 48 on the Lions. No, that's a good offense. I will um, say about one one guy on Seattle's defense, Al Woods, the uh the wily vet, was yeah. a problem on that line uh and caused a lot of disruption. And I think he ended up with uh, a sack and a tackle for loss, but definitely was a problem for the Saints. Caused a lot of disruption and was impressive for the former LSU Tiger. Yeah, well, they needed to get pressure. If they weren't getting pressure, they weren't stopping anybody. And I mean, like, that's why, and I said this going in, like, you you should look good on offense against this team. And if you don't, that's a problem, you know? And so that's, what you know, I, I expected Andy Dalton to be more, 
impressive. I, I don't know. Like he had a solid game, but he didn't do anything in the passing game that got me excited. But at the same time, you do have to give you go with the caveat of like every four plays he was coming off the field. Right. You it know? turned and into the Taysom really show, right? Your rhythm. And plus, like it wasn't just that Taysom was going on the field. Taysom was going on the field and scoring. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like he would end drives. Like <laughs> it was it, and he didn't really have a chance in the red zone. Every time they got in the red zone, it was like, okay, put Taysom in there. And he was just he was just running it in. So like, you know, you, One thing you, I do can't, question you can't is, hold that against Andy. But yeah. What's the benefit of them lining up Andy Dalton at wide receiver when Taysom's at center? Do you think we're ever going to see that where he he lofts a pass to the quarterback? Oh, he's never going to throw to him. I'm pretty sure they have a rule that says like, you can't give Andy the ball. That, that was like their rule with Drew. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Even though you know Drew wanted to catch a pass. Oh yeah, he would have he would have totally asked for it. But okay, so there are reasons why you would put the quarterback out wide versus keeping him off the field because when he's off the field, you know Taysom Hill is lining up at quarterback. So that that's an advantage to the defense in the sense that they know what to plan for. But it does give you an extra blocker. So when you are going super mega jumbo and you're bringing in Landon Young and, and Lewis Kidd as eligible receivers, you would not even consider putting Andy Dalton on the field because they already know when you're going that jumbo, it's you can guess it's going to be Taysom under center. So you're not going to waste a blocker in that situation. When you are trying to just catch the other team off guard, and you're not going jumbo, and you're trying to just put him back there and see how they react to it, that's when you would keep Andy on the field, which I don't think they have been doing, but that's when you would consider it because so you're a defense and you're just reacting to the players in the huddle, right? You are trying to match personnel. And so if you have Andy Dolan and Taysom Hill in the huddle, you are reacting to a personnel that most of the time is going to be 11 or 12 personnel, you know, one running back, two tight ends. So you aren't necessarily going out there with the personnel to stop, you know, a QB power run. So that's why you would do that. And that's what they did more with breeze than they have been doing with Jameis and and Andy. But yeah, that's essentially what you're looking at is it's either you want the extra blocker or you want to catch them off guard in a, in a personnel grouping that is not suited to stop it. Definitely noticed there were just two occasions today. I noticed that Dalton was still on the field and at wide receiver. I'm like, what's this guy think he's going to do, you know? Yeah. But no, that's why. It's it's because when you send Andy out there, they are reacting as if he's going to be the quarterback. So their right. personnel is going to match that. The second you send Taysom out there without Andy, then you're getting a, you know a jumbo defensive look, right? You're getting three linebackers and you know maybe a fourth if if they're feeling real feeling real real soft about it but yeah another question speaking of three heads having two defensive coordinators is killing the saints d i'm convinced of it you know if you want to say they have two i would argue they have three because either of the defensive coordinators calls plays (laughs) I, i don't i don't know i would argue that i question you know when you when you were dealing when you were a head coach there's a lot going on and when you're an offensive play caller a lot of the decisions you have to make in game kind of match up with what you're doing anyway so i think it's easier to manage when you are when you're trying to call defensive plays and you're trying to make adjustments you're trying to react on the fly i think that's much more difficult to do as a head coach and i think that one of the biggest mistakes a head coach can make is not trusting the people you have put into place to to help you to do those things and i think 
if the defense continues to go the way it has, and you are still struggling to stop big plays, you know, to, to get off the field on third down, although today that wasn't the case. They got off the field. They were, I think the Seahawks were one for nine on third down. So that wasn't the case today, but you know, there were some questionable play calls. Like, like I said, that, that, you know, you were playing to prevent three points and you allowed seven points at the end of the first half. You can't do that. And I think there's the question to be posed that maybe calling the plays as the head coach slash whatever you want to call him in Dennis Allen might be hurting the defense because he doesn't have the bandwidth to, to apply to it that he did in the past. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not really sure if I agree with that. The fact too, that the two defensive coordinators are killing the Saints D. And like you said, it's really uh, three, if it comes, we really want to, you know, come down to it, but yeah, at a certain point, it's just a title, right? I mean, yeah, always have a secondary coach and a defensive line coach. So it's like, it's just a title. I will say it's interesting that it's really uh, Ryan Nielsen addressing the media on coordinators day and not really. We have talked to, we've talked to Chris Richard. Okay. Yeah. I guess I've missed a couple of times that maybe he's, he's spoken, but it's always been Ryan Nielsen when I've been around. I thought that was maybe odd. And why wouldn't you get both coordinators kind of thing? We did talk to Chris Richard before week two. Okay. But we have definitely talked to Ryan Nielsen more often than Richard. And, you know, that might be a Chris Richard thing. He might not like talking to the media if he doesn't have to. So, yeah, you know, that might be where you're going. And, like, you don't have a choice with Pete Carmichael. And plus, you don't need to talk to both defensive coordinators every week. So you kind of just have to make a decision. I would be surprised if we don't talk to Richard this week. But, yeah, I would think, like you said, they'll probably just alternate it. And, yeah, I was I was out sick week two, so definitely miss Richard then. I don't think it's, like, a too many cooks in the kitchen situation. Because, like I said, you always have a secondary coach. And you always have a defensive line coach. I do think that, you know, there's a question to be posed that, you know, maybe DA shouldn't be calling the, the defensive plays in the game. Because he did delegate that during the preseason, right? So, like, the, the, there yeah. is. And it was Ryan Nielsen calling those plays. And, you know, you don't want to look at the preseason and say they did anything special because it's the preseason. But I thought the defense looked good in the preseason. So it's like, I don't think you have concerns about Ryan Nielsen calling the plays. But again, it's like if this defense like like turns into a lockdown unit, then we can all look past it. But if they continue to have these kind of notable struggles, especially in big moments, that's where that's when I'll start to question a little louder. Yeah, and I, I, to me, the defense has played pretty decent this season, except in those late game situations when they were maybe a bit, you know, worn down from being on the field so much. But in general, they during that even that three game losing skid really kept the team in games early early on when things weren't going well with this offense starting quickly. Yeah, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk more about Taysom Hill, uh, VB Saints Pell's lady. My reaction, Taysom is the man as a gadget guy, not as a starting QB for the Saints. Love him as he is. And yeah, I think his role, I am perfectly okay with the role he is playing right now. This is the role that it felt like you were getting to in the 2019 season. Remember that Vikings game where he was unstoppable and then yeah. they put Drew in and he fumbled, right? Like, But that was like the role he had going into that. And like that was that was when you felt like he was a huge advantage because he was doing things you couldn't stop. They tried to get too much into a quarterback with Taysom Hill and you lost. And, th- and that was partly because you told him you would and you were trying to do the player a solid and give him his chance and you gave it to him and it didn't work. And now you are back to the perfect form of Taysom Hill, which is, you know, that QB power, that red zone weapon. Um, and it works. It just works. It worked then. It works now. 
And the only thing, the, the biggest thing you have to keep in mind with Taysom is not whether he can execute certain plays, whether he can throw it, you know he can throw it, whether he can run it, you know he can run it. It's the deployment between him and the quarterback and how many times you are taking your starting quarterback off the field. I thought the first drive of this game, they didn't handle that well. Taysom came in on third and short, and then he stayed in, handed it to Alvin, and then stayed in on second down. And then you brought Andy on the field after missing three plays and said, okay, Andy, third and five, go, good luck. you know. And then they he missed, and then they punted. And I think that is just setting your starting quarterback up for failure. And like you, you don't want... There's no value added in having Taysom hand off to Alvin <laughs> because you're just running into a front that's expecting the quarterback to run, right? right? That's not an advantage for you. So like, I don't ever like the idea of third and short and then you're sticking with Taysom on first down unless it is another QB power because you lose the element of surprise unless you manage to catch them in a really bad personnel. And in that case, you should still be running the quarterback, you know? But you're when you're going on third and short, you're probably not going to get anything but a heavy personnel. So I think that is a mistake in using him that way and forcing your quarterback to come back on the field in a bad situation. But I thought they did they did it well the rest of the game. I don't think they did that again. And uh, I think that's kind of the learning process for a Pete Carmichael kind of figuring this out for the first time as the play caller. Yeah, was Sean Payton anywhere today watching this game and like being the Leo meme, you know, on the couch pointing at the television? <laughs> I, yeah, I told you. But yeah, I, I mean, could there be a three-way quarterback controversy with this team? I don't think so, but it'll be interesting to no. hear sports talk this week if folks start clamoring more for more Taysom and less Dalton. Uh, along with, you know, having Jameis on the bench. Oh, I'm perfectly fine with all the Taysom you want to give me, but he is not, the, he should not be the starting quarterback. Like, that is the one thing that this offense is doing right compared to the last couple of years. Is, no, is I think Taysom, actually, I agree. We've seen Taysom in his role, starter, right? Is elite. Got one more good question. And what what is odd, though, it's like out of everything that Taysom has been doing, we just really haven't seen him as the tight end. Yeah, he hasn't been a tight end at all, and he's still not. I, I agree. St. John Butler, three-way QB controversy. Stop that, Steve. I agree <laughs> with that 100%. This is, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> but you do have a weapon. You do have, you know, Taysom Hill is the best red zone weapon in the NFL, and I don't think it's that close. He's the best short yardage weapon in the NFL. Anyway, BB Pell's Saints lady, Saints Pell's lady. This is going to be the last thing that we're going to go. Being one for nine on third down doesn't count when you let teams score on second down. Touche. Right. That is a good point. Being one for nine still counts. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does it does make it look a little better than it is because, like you said, they allowed long touchdowns that didn't come on third down. So, you know, there is a positive in being able to get off the field on third down. But, you know, I think one of the issues is you didn't get to third down enough. I think that's what you're getting at here, and I think you're correct is that nine isn't a high enough number. (laughs) That number should be a lot higher than nine. And like the Saints had 14 third down attempts. Right. So like, like that's, that's a good point is, you know, if you were, I would rather you be three for 14 and not allow four touchdowns on first or second down because that's what happened. So yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and Yowza, I'm looking here at the team stats and Saints allowed 8.1 yards per play to Seattle. You can't do that. It's no bueno. No. And the only thing that you could say possibly about that is, like I said earlier, you didn't leave your defense on the field all day. So that did give you a slight advantage in that regard. Right. But the defense kind of played bad. Everyone but Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan is ageless. 
He is he is a robot. Um, he was mad that he only got one and a half sacks instead of two. That's what he was talking about in his press conference because apparently Demario like jumped on at the end and they gave him a half sack. Uh, yeah, he moved to, into twenty fourth all time. I got the, to do my first post game on the field interview and mentioned to him, "Oh, you know, you 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 mentioned you ended with one and a half sacks," and he right away was like, "Oh man, they gave Demario the, the half of that. I thought I had two. <laughs> So that's that's funny because he came into his press conference and was talking. So you, you're the one who got him on that on that wavelength. How was that interview? It was great. Uh, I got to ask him two questions though, and then he took off. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm done with you. Yeah, it's nice that you got it though. Right? No, a uh, huge difference for the broadcast, and it actually made me feel uh, worthy of being on the sideline, getting to do a post game interview. Just something we that Sean Payton never allowed over the years, and this is the first time getting to do it this season, and uh, looking forward to more of it for sure. It's great. Hopefully they win some more. So that'll happen. Yeah, exactly. We're back here again on Sunday. I do want to tease. So the film study this week, I'm going to kind of skip a lot of this game in the sense that I'm not going to just exhaustively go through. I am going to go through the film, but I'm not going to break it all down. But I do what I want to do is go through and pull out all of the third and short kind of QB power plays for Taysom Hill and just show just display like how easy it's been. Because like short yardage is not easy in the NFL. Like teams struggle with that. And it's been, I mean, you haven't even wondered. Like they would get into third and one, third and two. And I was like, okay, yeah, first down. Like anytime the Saints are able to get in third and short, you feel so confident. And that's, that's an advantage. And so what they did today that they haven't been able to do in previous games is get in third and short, right? That was the first three weeks of the season. It was always third and five, third and six, third and seven, third and nine. And like, you can't use Taysom Hill in those situations. So I, I want to kind of go through and pull out a lot of that and look at that. But that's, so that's going to be my target for this week. So keep, keep an eye out for that on Wednesdays. And remember, this is Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And yeah, Steve, you got anything else you want to say? Two and three, 500. Here we come, Hudats. Yes. Peace, y'all.